0: The following audio is from the Chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the Chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. a weird month ever since I preached on Job, which I told God I would never like to do again. It's been a, a weird month, like with high fevers, very sick children, all sorts of stuff going on. So then I got to this week, and I was just looking forward to it. I was like, oh yeah, God, Jeremiah wrote a book of complaints. I'm about to complain in a sermon to you. So show me which part of this text you want me to preach. And I was reading it and reading it, and every time I read it, he would just pause me right in the middle of the book, right where there's the only good, positive verses in the whole stinking book. I said, no, God, I don't want those verses. I want to be angry. And he said, no, right there. So I reluctantly wrote this sermon because God is God and I'm a peon. And we're going to pray and be in Lamentations chapter 3. If you are new with us, welcome. My name is Ryan and I am your pastor. We are doing a book of the Bible each week to see Jesus in it. And today we will see Jesus in the laments of Jeremiah. Let's pray before we begin. Lord, there are people sitting here today who are in the midst of darkness. And they are looking for that tiny pinhole of light to give them hope. I pray that you would... Tear the sky open and let light and love flood the darkness out. God, there are those of us in here who are going through seasons of peace and ease. I pray that this sermon would prepare our hearts for the next time life drags us into the valley. Lord, I pray for those here who have received life-changing news in the past year, that you would bring comfort, that your Holy Spirit would be the great comforter that you promised to be. And I pray above all that at the end of today, we would see Jesus and him lifted higher in our mind and hearts so that we would live more faithfully and passionately in love with him. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray and ask all these things. All God's kids said, amen. Amen. Okay, I'm just going to do this, Lord, because you told me to. Lamentations chapter 3, I had to put a little bit of the bitterness verses in there because I'm bitter, and I was a little angry, and it's okay to be angry, God heard these people whining and said, print that, that makes good Bible, because he knows his kids, okay, verse 20 of chapter 3, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down with me, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. Now you guys, if you've never read Lamentations, that is the one pinhole of good in this whole book. That is the one moment where Jeremiah, presumably the author, although it doesn't mention it specifically, there's a a verse in Chronicles that points to Jeremiah being an author of laments, but the rest of the book is his crying. The rest of of the book is his tearful writing, and it wasn't like he just sat down and gushed it out. If you know Hebrew, then you'll know this. Lamentations, the first four chapters, are actually using the Hebrew alphabet as an acrostic, and it's a poem. So, the letter, the beginning of the letter of the alphabet, so for us it'd be A, and he writes two lines. B, two lines. So, he intentionally wrote this out so it could be memorized, so that he could walk along the road. He wanted to remember how bad it got. And if you, if you don't believe me, I mean, just listen, I'm just going to read randomly. We could just play Russian roulette, bam, and read verses, and they will all sound abysmal. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheek. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All of her friends have dealt treacherously with her. Man, that sounds tough. That sounds like a high school girl writing that. Her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper. Don't you hate it when your coworker, who is the most rotten tomato in the bunch, gets that promotion and raise? Oh, no, you guys are holier than me. Okay. Jerusalem sinned grievously, therefore she became filthy. The enemy has stretched out his hand over all her precious things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, those whom you forbade to enter your congregation. All her people groan as they search for bread. Sure, he just goes on and on. Jeremiah's like, we're abandoned. We're hungry. We're groaning. We're sad. And then right in the middle, in the middle of this amazing, sad poem, he just says, but I have hope. (laughs) I have hope. Some of us need an extra dose of hope today, right? We might need it with the little things, and we might need it with the big things. And I want you to know that God cares about all the things. The day that I shattered my coffee pot, God was with me. He cares about his children so much that he knows when your coffee pot shatters. And you may think, but that's nothing compared to a major illness. True. But God's heart is bigger than our hearts. We tend to prioritize different things, and we want to give more attention to the things that are bigger, and that's good. But God wants to give all attention to all of his kids all the time because he is all love. And when I broke that coffee pot and I griped about it on Facebook, I did my Facebook lamentation. Someone said, I've got an extra coffee pot. So then I did my Facebook redemption. Now you may think, well, that's just a coffee pot. That's like, how dark is that? God God is with us in the little moments and the big moments. He's with us when we're dragging our kids to the emergency room. He's with us when we get the call that we've got some catastrophic thing that has happened. He's with us when the toilet will not flush because you're 100% sure there's a Barbie head down there. <laughs> he is with us. Hypothetically, I mean, the Barbie head is down there. I don't, don't do that stuff. <laughs> but but there's, a, there's a key, I think, in these verses to push through hard times. These, these small verses in the middle of the book gives us a key. First, we call to mind call something to mind. In our day and age, it is so hard to call things to mind because this world is loud. There is never peace and quiet in this world. You wake up to an alarm and the way whoever designs alarms nowadays, it's like they know what your soul hates and they make the beep like that. And then you go to the shower where you're already beginning to think about the emails, the conversations. Your mind is already moving 100 miles an hour. And then you get to work and you're desperately finding an excuse to hang out in the break room for just one more minute. And then you get to your desk or you get on the streets to do the sales or you stand in front of a bunch of second graders to begin your day and there's noise. We have to cultivate a practice of how to call things to mind. We have to understand that when God gave us this being, he didn't just give us an empty head. There is something between your ears, whether or not you believe your spouse has anything there. And we are called to call things to mind. This is why I love songs. For the life of me, um, I, I am terrible with lyrics. My wife will attest to this. We're, if we're in the car, something comes on the radio, for some reason I hear the guitars and the music. I don't hear lyrics, so I make up lyrics. It, it takes people usually telling me, like, you shouldn't listen to this song before I realize what it's about. Because I'll be rapping along with songs, and I'm like, I don't know who this is. And then I remember one of my youth group leaders came up to me and said, um, you should really stop singing this song. And I'm like, I don't even know what it's about. It sounds cool. Is it about, like, a record player? Because the song went, you spin my head right round, baby, right round. But I was just saying, it's time to dance around, dance around. And then I found out it was about... Um, a female profession that God probably doesn't care for a ton. But songs and poetry, whatever it is for you, call these things to mind. This is why when you go down the street, you could listen to something that is going to call other images to your mind. And I'm okay with a little bit of country music. I'm okay with that. But if if you're only calling to mind things that are not of God, there's only so many times you can buy a boat and a truck to pull it and a Yeti 110 ice down with silver bullets. There's only so many times that that can feed your brain. Whereas if you're listening to to Cornerstone, you're calling to mind that we are dressed in Jesus and that we stand faultless before the throne. Some of us need to hear that and need to call that to mind when we're in the midst of hard times. Because you know what? Doubting is a real deal. Sadness is a real deal. There are so many complaints in this book, yet for some reason, the modern church pretends that we are all shiny. It is okay to be grieving. It is okay to be sad. It is okay to be mad. It's not okay to hide that. For those of you who have um, children, or for those of you who are particularly restless, uh, injuries come and go in life, right? Right? Anyone here had the broken bone person? I was the broken bone person. It's weird because I was the broken bone person. I don't know if families do this. My my younger brother was the Stitches kid. And then my last brother, he was just just like nerfed. Like my mom nerfed his world so he didn't get very injured. But man, isn't it good that we have doctors that know what they're doing nowadays? Because I remember when I broke my arm the second time, I said, mom, my arm is broken. And she said, put some peas on it. I said, no, mom, it's really broken. No, it's not broken. It's 7.30. I'm not going to the ER tonight. And I'm 12 years old. No, mom, I'm serious. This thing hurts. I whined and whined and whined. The next day, I'm like, mom, it's really broken. We went to the doctor. The doctor was like, it's broken. But by that time, my mom had already had uh, two kids. So you know, once you have multiples, you, like, you just don't even care. You're like, yeah, it might be broken. It'll, you'll live. And I was like, I told you, mom, it was broken. The doctors had to do all the stuff, cast it all on. But, but in my earlier years, it's like one of those things. And now with kids, you know, I look at something and I'm just like, can't we just put one of those weird butterfly stitches on that thing, those, those little Band-Aids? Can't, don't the doctors use super glue? I think I got some Gorilla Glue. Will that work? No, it doesn't work. Don't Gorilla Glue your child's tongue. Go get stitches. Sometimes I think we need to realize that when we pretend that we're not okay, We're putting a Band-Aid on a gashing soul. Sometimes if we come here and we do the normal American thing, hey, how's it going? Which just means, hello, don't talk to me. We need to really just pull someone aside and say, hey, um, I I don't really want you to pray for me, but could you just like pray in your head for me? Sometimes we need that. Sometimes I I need prayer, but I don't want to hear your words. Serious, I'm serious. Because sometimes if you would utter a word as you're praying for me, if I'm in the middle of my lamenting time, I'll just burst out in tears. Sometimes I just need not even a prayer. I just need someone's hand on my shoulder and and have them remind me, which is calling to my mind, something about God, which is why if you've been around, I try to do this. You may see this happen, and I hope that you guys adopt this. I think it's fantastic. Walk up and speak truths to people about who they are in Jesus. Walk up and say, you are loved by the king of the universe. Walk up and remind them, you are made in the image of God, beautifully and wonderfully created. Walk up to the little kids and see their face light up and get down on one knee and say, hey, did you know that you are a prince of everything? And you see these little kids and these little girls, you are a princess of the highest of high kings. And the little girls just light up. The little boys are like, yeah, I'm a prince. Talk to them about being prayer warriors. Tell them who they are in Jesus. Call those things to mind for one another. And this is how we can begin to push the tides of darkness back, calling to mind the true things about God. And this is what he calls to mind. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Can someone say never? Never. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Your spouse's love will cease. Your friend's love will cease. At times, I'm sure your children's love will cease and they cease and come back. Don't worry but let's be honest, like none of us have this everlasting, all-encompassing love because we are humans. God's love is a steady flowing pipe of 100% love coming one way towards you whether or not you think you deserve it if you are in Jesus Christ. If you say, I need a savior, Jesus be mine. I believe that you lived perfect life, died the death, I should have died and rose from the grave. God has a massive ocean of love constantly pouring on you may not feel it but call it to mine and we're going to get to why in a second here his mercies never come to an end i love that his mercies never come to an end i wrote mercy on my wrist because i needed to remember this because sometimes my my heart my head they feel like my sin is greater than god's mercy sometimes i come to a place and i feel just so wrong i feel so dirty i feel so ashamed because i'm not listening to god's voice. I'm listening to the voice in my own head. I'm listening to the father of lies. The person who speaks lies about who God is to my ear, and I'm listening to that voice. I'm not worthy. Who am I to do this? Who am I to do that? Can't you believe you would even be a preacher with all these things from your past? Who are you? I got a call to mind. His mercies never come to an end. Do you know what will come to an end one day? Pain, suffering, sorrow, sickness, sadness, sin, those all come to an end, and we get to look at God's mercies forever. I love that. I love that. They are new every morning, every morning. I love one. I've only done this one time, but I need to do it now because I've only lived in two places where I could do this project, and this is one of them. Um, When I lived in the Big Island of Hawaii, it was about a four and a half hour, give or so drive from one side to the other. And because there's mountains and lava and all that stuff, so you can't just, like, beeline it across. But one morning, we went over, before it was uh, O Dark Hundred, and we watched the sun rise out of the ocean. And then we drove around, ate some coconuts, Mah, mangoes, Mah, watched the sun set in the west. Here, I think it's only, like, what is it, like two hours? Two and a half hours? That's how you can tell who the people sin on the driving road. You know, when someone's like, two and a half, three, and someone's like, an hour and a half. Like, don't drive by that guy but his mercies are new every morning. Every time the sun comes up, it should be a reminder that God says, I've forgiven everything from yesterday. Let's go new today. Yesterday may have been dark, but I'm with you this morning. Everything that God has wired into creation is meant to be a parable to point us back to him. So every time the sun rises, it should be like fresh start. I may have blown it yesterday. I may have blown it the day before, but God says today I have new mercies and they never end. And then tomorrow, guess what you get again? The sun rises again. And what happens two days from now? The sun rises again. Why do we forget so often that God's mercies are new again? Why do we cling to the past? Too many of us are addicted to our rearview mirrors, and we're trying to live life with only what we see in that little block, and we are not seeing what lies ahead. We've got to fix our eyes on what's ahead knowing what was behind, but pressing forward toward Christ. We've got to realize that God's forgiveness and mercies outpace and outrun and outlast our sin every single day. Now you may be thinking, okay, that's it. I just heard Pastor Ryan say it. I can sin as much as I want. I know that that's what some people think. Because I've had people leave the church because of that. Because I love God's grace so much. I love the good news about Jesus so much. And I talk about forgiveness is free and condemnation is gone so often that people say, well, you better watch out because now the people in this church are really going to sin. And as I always say, the people in this church are already sinning plenty. I don't want to just give them a lane and build higher concrete walls and say, you've got to go this way. This is what the law does. It puts up the walls, and if I roll you down there, you're still going to bounce off the concrete walls and get whiplash all the way down. But if I can give you Jesus, shining bright at the center, calling him to mind, he gives you a star to aim at. He gives you a direction to go, and he puts your foot on the gas pedal, and when you hit that gas, it just says, I want to be like him, because he is a type of love that I've never experienced. This is what we need to call to mind. This is the things we want to bring to mind. Just tell people God loves you. Start with that. If you know nothing else, just say God loves you so much that he died for you. And, and some of you, you've been on the receiving end of my blessings. Have I blessed anyone that's here sitting here right now where I just come and say weird things to you? Yeah. And the first time you do it, the person's going to look at you like you're crazy. And here's what you say. I'm a little crazy. In love with Jesus. See how corny that was? Do it. Okay, here's, here's what comes next the Lord is my portion, eat God, literally, we're going to do communion next week, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. And then it goes on in verse 25, uh, it says something very terrifying for our culture. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Do you know how hard it is to wait quietly? We, I, I just touched on this, but just imagine waiting quietly. That was awkward. <laughs> Some of you were like, oh, what do, do? what do I 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 do? Some of you already went from your Bible app to Facebook. Some of you were like, well, I should just touch my spouse, I guess. I don't know. What do I do? What do I, I don't even know. You get that antsy sort of ADD thing that I get, like, ha, ah. ha, well, Wait quietly. The Lord speaks in a still, small voice. It is good for those to wait on him. If you don't have a moment in your day where you unplug from noise, you're doing your soul a disservice in the midst of lamenting. And you know what's going to happen when you're in the dark times and you have no noise? Guess what you're going to think about? The dark times. So what do you do? You call to mind God's love and faithfulness. And you, you just do that battle. Okay, today stinks. But God, your love never fails, your love never ceases. God, I blew it today. It's a good thing you died. I, I think I'm going to blow it again tomorrow. Lord, help me not to. And then just sit. If you don't know how to find that quiet space, you keep, Pastor, there's no way. My, you've never been to my house. I'm going to say, you've never been to my house. I have a kid who's got chronic coughing because he's been invaded by an asthma demon. I've got a son and daughter who are so close in age and so addicted to hurting each other that it doesn't go not a minute and a half without someone screaming in rage at my house. And by someone, I usually mean me, okay, in case we're unclear. I don't know how many times a day I hear the, the whine. I'm such a bad parent, I just do it back to them now. there's no peace. So you know what I do? I lock my door. You know what? I've got three locks from my bedroom door to my bathroom, and I will lock all three doors and then put headphones in with nothing on, just noise-canceling headphones with nothing on, and just sit there. Sometimes parenting is weird. It's like self-imprisonment in your own restroom. I just thought of that. Anyway, But whatever it takes to get those five minutes of peace, I will do whatever. And some of you that don't have kids, you're like, I don't get it. You are so lucky. I mean, kids are great. But soak up the quiet time. On your day off, don't set your alarm. And when the sun makes you open your eyes, just lay there and and start calling to mind things about God that you know to be true. For God so loved me that he would send his only son that I would not perish. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. In heaven, your God, you're going to wipe away every tear. There's no more pain or sorrow. And then just sit and lay. Ah, just do that. This is the whole reason why I'm looking forward to empty nesting. I know it's a little premature. Some of you guys are like, don't you love your kids? I love my kids. I'm going to love them more when they're out of my house. I mean, at this phase. Like, I'm sure when they get like, when they can all wipe their own butts, I'll like them more again. Okay. There's something we've got to talk about in this, because in the midst of darkness, the dark thoughts, the things that are going to be called to mind are generally bad, but we have to remember something in Scripture. One of my favorite words in Scripture, and I don't know how to say this without it sounding funny to anyone that's around my generation, the the Bible is full of big butts, okay? Follow with me. Leave Sir Mix-a-Lot. Behind. <laughs> you guys are so sinful. You are sinful. You you think get out of my head. Seriously, we were dead in sin, but God intervened, and we are saved by grace alone. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In the end of Genesis fifty, fifty. Therefore, beauty shall be consumed in the grave. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is my strength. He's the strength of my heart and my portion forever, Psalm 73. Every time life is taking you down a bad place, and the only reason I'm joking about it is because now you'll never forget it. You will literally never forget the time that your pastor put a rap song in your head for Jesus. When your life and your mind are cruising down Highway Dark 101, say, the Bible is full of big butts that are good for me. I am dead to And the only reason I'm making a joke is because now you're going to walk out of here. That's all you're going to remember from this sermon. You're going to remember nothing else except, I like big butts. <laughs> and I cannot lie. Right? And if I have to use a joke to lodge that in your head, I want you to go back to the Bible and go online and just search for the phrase, but God. Because every time you're in a bad place, God steps in. Every time you're feeling low and dark, God steps in. Every time you're feeling unforgiven and ashamed, God steps in. God always intervenes where darkness has reigned. God always intervenes where pain seems like a cloud that will not leave. God always intervenes when you can't even forgive yourself. He has already forgiven you because of what Jesus did. And if you don't think that all this lamenting is is unseen by God, you have to remember that Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane fell to the ground and sweat drops of blood because he was lamenting. And he knew the pain that was coming, and he said, I will press on through this. God, your will, not my will, be done. Jesus himself, the Son of God, the sinless person said, if there is any way this cup can be taken from me, but I will do your will. Jesus lamented. We don't have a high priest who doesn't know what it's like to have tears flowing from his eyes. We don't have a king who doesn't know what it's like when your tears have run out and you can't grip your pillow any harder. We don't have a savior who doesn't know what it's like when you get the news that somebody had passed away, when you get the news that some disease has taken over, when you get the news that some relationship is dissolving, when you get the news or someone tells you something about how bad or unworthy, or we don't have a high Savior who, who doesn't know what that feels like. We have a king. We have a God who on the cross said, Father, forgive them. On the cross. <laughs> right after pouring out his heart in sorrow and grief, said, I'm going through with it so that my kids will know so that now when we sing that song dressed in Christ's righteousness alone faultless stand before the throne it's not faultless because we're so good all of a sudden it's not faultless because of how good we are at calling good things to mind it's faultless because what we call to mind has to be Jesus himself he is the perfect picture of steadfast love his resurrection morning is the everlasting picture of new mercies every day. Calling Jesus to mind is what we need to do when we are beginning to wait quietly on the Lord, knowing that in the midst of your darkness, he has experienced darkness. And he is the one who not only experienced it, but has now begun the slow death of sin and sadness and pain. Man, am I ever looking forward to the day that that is complete I've, uh, I've been watching two movies this week a lot. I don't normally, uh, I mean, I watch some th- things, but I've been, like, legitimately addicted to Hacksaw Ridge and Moana, okay? This is just what happens. And when I say me, I literally mean me. Like, my kids are like, stop playing Moana. And I'm like, no, one more time. And in both of those movies, if you haven't seen them, I highly recommend them. Um, Just be be forewarned. Moana is so addicting. You will have dance parties with your children in your living room to the main song. Uh, But but there's these moments in both movies where darkness seems like it's going to win, where it's overwhelming. In Hacksaw Ridge, and I'm not spoiler alerting anybody, this is in the trailer, but there's this moment where in the midst of battle, it's dark, and the main character is is rescuing people out of, of the battleground, and he's, he's lowering them down and he just says, please, Lord, one more. Help me get just one more. And all around him is just blood and destruction. But but he brings a small sliver of light. Some of you today just need that small sliver. You may not be able to see Jesus clearly. You may only be seeing him as through a fog. But when Jesus came. And walk this earth, and as he sits now enthroned in the heavens, every moment he's saying, I'm going to get one more. I'm about to get one more. I'm about to get one more. And hope is arising. Hope is arising in many of you, hope is arising in this community. And our hope and our prayer is that the light of Christ will take that pinhole of hope as we call things to mind for one another, for our neighbors, for our coworkers, and begin to tear it open until hope shines so brightly that nobody can see the darkness around them. And one day it will be so when every tear is wiped away and we will remember these pains as a distant memory. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your new mercies every day. Lord, I pray that every time we see the sun rise, we would remember how much you love us. I pray that in the midst of darkness, you would help us to focus our eyes on the cross of Christ. Lord, let us, as we see the cross, become beacons of hope in our community. Let the light of Jesus spread through our lives in such a way that there is a contagious draw on those around us to want to know more about who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.